Good morning, everyone. This is Jeffy Kennedy, author of Fantasy Romance and Romantic Fantasy. I'm here with my first cup of coffee. Mmm, pretty wonderful. Today is Tuesday, October 19th. Beautiful autumn morning here in Santa Fe. I have some things to talk about today in terms of um, trying to find that magic formula for storytelling and um, the ways in which we do and do not borrow from other people. And I've been talking about that some over the last few days with uh, the bad art friend uh, ongoing story and other types of things where this happens other stories people have been telling me and it's it's a perennial question it is a topic where that we come back to frequently Uh, um because there are layers like onions and parfaits so one thing that people well actually maybe I'll start with what made me think about this most recently and my, my plant is not looking happy that's why I'm sort of frowning at it but it's gonna die it's it's that time of year um so I have to let it go let it go so so yeah If I were doing like a whole class on this, I would begin at the beginning, but I think I'll start here with my particular experience in reading a couple of books I've read lately from debut authors. Um, and I specify debut authors because there's a couple of things going on when you write your first book. Um, one of which is And this sort of links back into that New Yorker review of the bad art friend story that started out being titled kindly dawn and then ended up being called kindness I think kindness. And one of the ways in which this reviewer really took down the story was she said that it ultimately failed because of a lack of kindness which was a nice little twist to put at the end because it hooked back to so many of those themes but part of what she was getting at um, if she wasn't being quite that and I think it was great last line so I, I don't mean to diminish it by calling it clever but there was a certain cleverness to that that maybe obscured what she was if you phrase it that way because she did go into it in the article and I thought she explained it well uh, and that is that ultimately she had had this character in her story for whom she felt no sympathy. Um, she wrote this story as a takedown of this woman that she did not like and and I think it was Kelly Robson who made the comment the very insightful comment that um, we all know that we have to feel compassion for our villains that we have to know our villains when we write even fiction. And it's a really interesting point because the occasional um, 
criticism of a villain as being too flat, too over the top, are those cases where perhaps the writer did not know the villain well enough or made them into, um, you know, we talk about a foil or a flat character, a character who is um, not, not fully fleshed. So one of the rules of, of storytelling um, that has stood me in good stead over the years is that a character has to have a life before they walk onto the page and after they walk up the page, no matter how minor the character. And for me, my characters are very, very real people to me. And so that's easier for me than some other people, other writers who focus, um, who are driven more by plot. I think this is more of a challenge where they have to really think about, well, what, what is this character like? But if you have a character that you have no idea what their life was like before they walk on the page or after it, then they end up being a prop. They end up being, you know, the little face on the popsicle stick. They end up being, um, you know, the stand in the foil, whereas, you know, you just have somebody stand in there and be like, you know, that you bounce lines off of. And so one of the things that Sonia Larson, and I've not read the story, so I'm just going off of this review. But the criticism of the story was, is that because she failed to understand Dawn, uh, because she created a character based on everything she loathed about this woman without ever really making that extra leap to understand what was going on inside of Dawn's head, that, that the story didn't work. And so it's an interesting problem for writers. And, and I will say that it is a problem for newer writers. Uh, I certainly did it, uh, especially when you start writing fiction. And that is that you, you tend to make the protagonist be an avatar of yourself. Um, and yes, I did that with Covenant of Thorns. I did that with Rogue's Pawn. Um, less so over time. I did revise it extensively, but that first version, it was all, um, it, it was all like my alter ego and not even all that alter. And it's a problem because it prevents you from forming a decent characterization because that character no longer has a life before they walk onto the page and off the page because it's actually your life, right? So there's um, an interesting quote that I wrote down recently. And then when I Googled it so I could attribute it, attribute it, I could give the attribution, but I could attribute it. I think that's right. Um, it came up as coming from Val Kilmer's, uh, movie, his documentary, auto documentary, uh, which I recommend very highly. I talked about that a few weeks back called Val. Um, so I don't know if he's the first one to say this, but he was talking about portraying Jim Morrison and he's, I'm, I'm just sure this must come from somewhere else. So if you guys, uh, can tell me, let me know. Uh, but the line is that you write a poem and when you are gone from the poem, then it's a poem. 
And he said that about playing Jim Morrison, that, and, and that's, it's a wonderful lens into portraying somebody else. It's like when you're gone from the poem, then it becomes a poem. And I think that this is true of all stories. It's when you are gone from the story, that's when it becomes its, its own thing. It becomes itself. Raven flies overhead and agrees. Um, and I think that's partly why it's a problem when we invest a story too much with our own experience, because then we haven't, we haven't disappeared from the story yet, right? You might start from there, but then you have to take yourself out of it or let the story crowd you out of it as it becomes itself. When you are gone from the poem, then it becomes a poem. Or then it is a poem. And so, so there's levels of creation here, right? Where we are talking about creating a story, creating characters, taking all these bits and pieces of the world around us and putting them into this work of art, this thing that we are creating that then becomes something else that becomes a, I don't know, for lack of a better word, let's call it a poem, right? That it becomes its own living thing. And so there's, there's a couple pieces to this and I, I'm really trying to pull a lot of thoughts together here into one cohesive thing and I may or may not succeed. Um, going back to some of the debut books that I've been reading, you know, I talk a lot about how everyone's searching for the formula, right? Everybody wants to be the next Sarah J Moss, or they want to be the next JK Rowling or the Jennifer L Armentrout or, um, Suzanne Collins. And there is a temptation to break down these successes and try to determine what is the magic formula for why are these books so successful? And I think a lot of our culture, our scientifically based culture, um, and also, you know, like all the success gurus and everything, they're always doing that. They're always saying, oh, well, I can teach you the formula. And, and I've seen workshops and seminars from people who, um, break down these books and give the formula. And sometimes, I mean, they're very interesting. Um, and there are books, people write books about this, you know, like Donald Mass writes a book, you know, and saying, Oh, well, I can teach you how to write a bestseller to which my reply is always, well, then why aren't all of your authors bestsellers or why haven't you written a bestseller? You know, if it can be broken down into a formula like that, then why aren't people producing it? And that's because you can't necessarily bottle lightning, right? We talk about this all the time. You know, some of these books, it's just like lightning. Why, why did Akotar do so well? Well, partly because of the, I'm sorry, a court of thorns and roses. For those of you who don't know, Akotar is the, uh, acronym since it's a long title. Um, <laughs> now I've distracted myself thinking about that. You know, part of it is that Sarah J Moss did great with a premise on throne of glass and that that series gained a lot of traction, um, cause it hit a certain nerve It hit a chord and 
and Akotar springboarded off of that, hitting additional nerves. Um, but again, it's, you can go in and break down the elements, but that doesn't mean that every book that has those elements is going to, you know, snag the lightning, you know, you can assemble your lightning rod and, you know, follow all the instructions, but that does not mean that it's going to, the lightning's going to hit. And so some of these books I can see, and so this is partly my writer brain. And so all readers might not notice it, but I could see this very deliberate introduction of elements, um, to make them be like hunger games or to make it be like, uh, a court of thorns and roses. Uh, and sometimes one book will have several elements and I almost feel like I could say, Oh, well you decide to take elements of this one and this one and this one and blend them all together to make your personal lightning rod. And I could still see the branding on the, on the pole and that when I could still see the brand labels on the different parts, I think some of that is the, is the, that, that you haven't, been got that the author hasn't disappeared from the poem yet. And sometimes I think that takes a number of books, um, to disappear yourself from the work to disappear the myriad pieces. Because one thing that people worry about a lot, especially as new authors, um, is, you know, they're like, well, I don't read anything that's fantasy when I'm writing fantasy, cause I'm afraid I'll steal. And I've talked about that on here quite a bit too, you know, that you don't accidentally plagiarize anyone. Um, (laughs) this is an excuse that the plagiarists use to make it seem like they didn't do it on purpose, but people who plagiarize other works are doing it (laughs) on purpose. They, they know what they're doing. They copy, they paste, um, and everything else is just, uh, protesting and other nonsense. And so, so it's not worth worrying about that. You accidentally put things in there, but you also want to, uh, I guess work it enough so that you are gone from the poem and, and it's not because of plagiarism. It's, it's not because you're copying somebody else or stealing someone else's story. Uh, though I was interested in some of the comments on my podcast yesterday about that, you know, like how much do we take from other people's stories? Um, I think you have to be aware of if you are, if, if you, I mean, that, that comes back to it, right? The, the plagiarism, you know, when you're doing it, if you decide that you are going to use a story from another culture or another person and you're like, okay, I'm going to take these elements and put them in my story. Then you have to be really aware of that. You're doing that and why, and think about whether or not it belongs to you. Um, if you can make the case that it belongs to you and not because you're a Karen and you think everything belongs to you, you know, sure take it and make it your own, but eventually you need to be gone from the poem, right? 
So I had a whole, that was a whole lot of things. And I, I'm wondering if I touched on all of the points because I know that as I started out saying there's levels and levels and levels to this, right? Um, and, and I know that in our fast paced world where there's a lot of pressure to write more and faster that it can feel like you don't have time to work the story. You don't have, especially when you're not writing a poem, but you're writing a, a hundred thousand word, word novel. Um, sometimes you, you don't want to keep working it and fair enough. And partly what you do is then you work it in the next book. I do think this is part of refining your voice over time, but I would caution you if you are trying to follow a formula that number one, there is no formula. There just isn't you guys. I don't, I don't care what everybody says. Um, and there are a lot of people out there who are going to tell you there's a formula and you can do this. There's not, there's, there's just not, um, what you have to do is bring it up out of yourself. Um, and, and I, and there's just no shortcuts to that. And even so, even if you build your own lightning rod with completely original materials and in your own inimitable way, you still might not attract lightning. (laughs) There's that's the thing about lightning is that it's not within your control and, and you have to just get really Zen with that. I've had to get really Zen with that. You know, I've had some books do way better than others. Um, I'm still not Sarah J Moss. Um, why is Sarah J Moss, you know, as successful as she is? I don't know. I've, I've read, I've read some of those books. I, you know, I, I could not get through the throne of glass books, but I don't like reading YA. So that could be it. I get hung up on, um, on inconsistencies, you know, like, uh, someone who's supposed to be an assassin being stupid about like eating candy that someone left in their room because, Oh, Hey candy. And it's not how an assassin behaves. So I get hung up on that kind of thing, which I know a lot of people don't. Um, but you know, I've talked about, I think Stephanie Meyer did a really brilliant thing with twilight. I think Stephanie Meyer really managed to take herself out of the poem with that early book, maybe less so later on. I think that as, as authors become celebrities, that it may become actually more difficult for them to take themselves out of the poem because because they're so enamored of their, of their own press. Right. You know, it's like, Oh, uh, you know, I'm just so amazing. I could put anything in here and which is not the case. We had a long talk about that the other day when I had lunch with my friends and we were discussing the ways in which, um, various authors who, uh, became, you know, start producing incredibly bloated books towards the ends of their careers. And, uh, what is this like sticking out here? Yep, just a piece of hair floating. Um, <laughs> vanity, vanity, all is vanity. Um, because they stopped being edited and 
you know, it's, it's a thing, you know, it's like you, you have to be consistently working on taking yourself out of the poem. Even if you think that what you are is the shiniest thing there, uh, it still doesn't belong in the poem. So that's a whole lot of stuff. Um, and I hope that it ended up making sense because I know that there's a lot of moving parts here, but I think the take home message is you, you have to write a lot of words and you know, learn from others and then internalize it and make it your own thing. I mean, that's the truth for, for all things, right? I learned that in, in all the years I practice martial arts, you know, that you learn, um, you know, like I, I learned the long style Tai Chi Chuan's form and you know, it's like you do it over and over and over again. You learn it the way that you're taught and you get refinements. And then after you've practiced it for a long time, you just make it be your own. And that's when it comes to life. That's when it's a poem. On that note, I'll remind you all that first cup of coffee is part of the frolic media podcast network. You will find more podcasts that you love at frolic.media slash podcasts. And I will talk to you all on Thursday. You all take care. Bye-bye.